Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bears After Dark, presented by Circus Circus Sports. Make sure you hit up Circus Sports for all your betting here in Illinois. We're back. I'm Greg Braggs Jr. alongside me, as always, is my guy, Corey Wooten, who's uh, kicking me while I'm down after watching the Northwestern Wildcats take down the number one team in the country, the Purdue Boilermakers, two years in a row at the Welsh Ryan mm. Arena. Overrated. Oh my. Overrated. Oh, what what is it? Purdue get another number one seed and then go out of the tournament again in the first round? Oh, okay. How about that? Maybe How not. about that, Brad? Maybe not. You never know. <laughs> I mean, we shall find out. I'll give Northwest. See, this is the thing. Like, you're saying overrated. But then I think then then you're insinuating that Northwestern's not good enough to win that kind of game, and I would disagree. They have a good team. They have Boo Booey and their coach yeah. uh, Collins is is a good coach. They got a good squad over there. I, I like. I think you're selling your own team short a little here. I think you're just a little bit hurt because all that number I one rankings. I I think that just Purdue can't play when they're, when they're the top dog, right? I, I just think they can't. Rutgers. Uh, Northwestern, they got their number, okay? Matt Painter, man, maybe you need to start working on some painting, all Listen. right? You know, maybe maybe you need a room purple over there in uh, West Lafayette, <laughs> or Laffy Taffy, like we used to call it. But, hey, Greg, all I know is this year, right, football, even after all those Northwestern scandal and allegations, uh-huh. dang, they beat the brakes off them. Boiler down, boiler down. Come oh, on. my gosh. Oh, baby. Football, uh. basketball. Ball, you name it, man. Yeah, we, Corey's we, we, at- we, we was here, man. But yeah, let, 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 let's get on. I, I don't, I don't want to rub it in too much. Um, but you know, I had a good time over with Carm. I mean, I think I might like him a little bit better than you. Might have to be Carm after dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Carm gave Carm hooked me up with a ticket. You know, so I now I was starting to realize in the second half of that game, like I think he was paying the basketball gods forward by trying to get me in. You know, he hooked me up, uh, you know, and, and I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't have taken the ticket. I should have just bought one. And then maybe the basketball guys would have looked kindly on me, but either way I'm wait, he'll be returning Wednesday to see shield bears. And I'm sure I'm going to have to wear it with him too. But last week, Corey, we went to midtown athletic and he thought he was going to beat me in, in basketball. And, uh, he, he got a surprise there. I swatted the shit out of him at one point. Then I picked his pocket another time. We had a three-on-three game where he was on the other team. We matched up one-on-one, and uh, my team won. I'm leading the way. Uh, Half-court drill, buried the half-court shot before anyone. So, like, he he underestimated the big dog over here on the basketball court. What's half-court drill? What is that? We were just shooting half. Like, everybody took a half-court shot to see who could make it. Oh, okay. Then buried it. You know, it's – I'm naturally talented and gifted and skilled. And he just thought that he was going to beat me and he wasn't Corey. So you're next. And I'll take you on the basketball court as well. Take you down into the post. Excuse me. Yeah. You heard me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, I understand you. You may, you may get the better of Carm. 
but uh-huh. you're talking about a grown man right here. All right, big dog. All right, big yeah. dog. All right, the breaks there. All right, but but yeah. Speaking 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 of winning, right? The Bears are coming off a win. It wasn't wasn't the prettiest win, but it was a win. Right? right. They have have a bye week this week, and let's break down bye week. Right. So as a former player, right during bye week, I think the biggest thing is guys want to get healthy, right? Because everybody is is going through some kind of injury. They're banged up. And this is an opportunity for you to get your body back, right? Get your legs back, get those fresh legs. Right. But I always thought of it as like a gift and a curse, right? Because you have your your, your off time. It's good to, to mentally unwind, get your body healthy. But still, like, I think people sleep on how important it is to continuously stick with a routine, right? Because some guys, when they have the bye week, they will not work out at all, literally do nothing in the time off. But you got to you gotta stick with the workouts, right? With, with the cardio, with the lifting, you got to do a couple of workouts here and there just to keep your body fresh, keep in that game shape. Because, you know, what you see is sometimes after a bye week, guys come back a little sluggish. You know, the, the right. quality of play is not there. People aren't on the same page. So I'm just hoping, you know, during this bye week, they really, you know, got healthy, stuck with the workouts, ready to go and finish this season strong. Because I think defensively, right, they are starting to really rise and ascend defensively, right? We're seeing. Sure team that we thought they would be right offense has still been up and down at, at times right um so I, i'm curious to see what's the game plan this week offensively i think defensively they kind of figured things out but how is getsy and, and justin fields going going to be these these next five weeks that's what we're really looking forward to because you know i, th- I think the one thing is right we, we've talked about justin fields a lot and, and what they're going to do you know whether they're going to keep him or not right and I think a lot of a lot of people, a lot of analysts are saying, you know, oh, they're probably gonna go with go with a quarterback with that first pick, right? And you know my stance on this. Like, I do think Justin Fields has all the talent in the world, right? I think the Luke Getzey has done him a disservice. I feel like this has been almost a waste of a year in a sense. But I'm just looking at, at this season in general as even despite all the play, the bad play calling, I think we have seen growth from Justin Fields, right? I think we have seen growth in a bunch of areas, right? Um, some of the games, right? The Denver game, the Washington game, that Detroit game. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of growth from his decision-making. Obviously, the Minnesota game skewed a lot of this, right? Because he was coming off a pretty good Detroit game. Then you sure. come week early on in the Minnesota game, was completing passes, looked pretty good. And then the turnovers, you can't do that, right? You can't fumble the ball. But I think he has enough talent and – I was listening. Did you listen to the, the Brandon Marshall and Cam? Cam yep. Newton, yep. Right? And they're on the kind of the same page, right? Justin Fields has all the talent in the world. They need to game plan around him. They have to script for him. Um, and I really think if you can get that coordinator situation right, get another piece out there, I, th- I think Justin Fields can really ascend in 2024. And I just think he's so dang talented that – Yes, people people look at the win numbers, right? And they say, oh, he's not a winner. But t- can you tell me what quarterback, given the circumstances, would be a winner in this system? It, yeah, it's really yeah it, I, no, there's no question he hasn't been dealt a great hand here his first three years in Chicago. Now, I think this year has been a fair assessment across the board for everybody. And as you said, there's been some highs for Justin Fields. Um, you know, he's had some great games. He's had some tough games to start the year. Coaching also takes responsibility in those things. Uh, it would be interesting to know what the narrative is. Had the bears been six and six, six, instead of four and six at the end of the day, they lost those games against Detroit and Denver. Uh, but had they not, you know, those games were lost by the slimmest of margins in the Denver game, the defense completely let go of the rope. They were up 28 to three. And then Justin gets blamed for the last minute mistake, last drive mistake. And then in Detroit, similar where, you know, they do everything they can to win the game offensively. And then the defense gives up a couple quick touchdowns at the end. Again, though, what's put on full display is what Justin couldn't do to win the game. And so, those were the thinnest of margins. And had they won those games, currently they'd be the sixth seed in the playoffs. And I do ask myself, even as somebody that 
has tried to keep a critical eye and, and, and talk about the, the chances, the very good chance that they, they draft a quarterback. Cause I do still think that they will. Um, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I'm certainly interested to see what Ryan pulls decides. Cause I honestly have no idea. I've always said Ryan Poles has a good poker face when it comes to this stuff. And then the other aspect of it too, is I wonder what the tenor would be if the bears didn't have the number one or number two pick, cause that's skewing the conversation. Everything's oh, get everything's getting pinned against what they're going to do versus what they're doing right now. And mm-hmm. so it, it right now, the, uh, at the bye week somebody said earlier, the bears couldn't have had a bi- better bye week. I agree. They, uh, Arizona won mm-hmm. and Carolina lost and a close one, you know, it got, it got scary there at the end. So now they're at a point where they have a 93% chance of having the number one or number two pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if things continue on their trajectory, they are going to have the number one pick. So, you know, that that's where this is going to get really interesting. I've said all along, I'm kind of of this decision. Like if they decide to trade back and get a ton of assets, I'm going to be excited for that. I saw what it did for this franchise this season with Darnell Wright, uh, DJ Moore being added to the team in a future first round pick, a future second round pick um, in the next draft. You know, if they did that again, the the haul they'd get for this year's draft would probably be unprecedented in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that would be exciting. If they decide to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., like you said, who isn't going like you add Marvin Harrison Jr. to this and you stack the deck and you bring in a center and, and you continue to add to the offense. If Justin Fields were to say healthy, who's to say he can't ascend next year? I, I could see it. I think the biggest thing for him is staying healthy above all. Mm. Does he need to continue to get better throwing with anticipation? Yeah. Is there moments where he sees it and doesn't rip it? Yeah. Is he, it, does he make mistakes at times as far as taking sacks when he shouldn't and gets hurt? Yeah. Does he have turnovers in tough times with the fumbles, 35 fumbles mm. in his career? Yes. Uh, but that's not to say if they decide to roll with him next year that I won't be optimistic about the Bears being competitive because, as I started this rant, they should be competitive right now. They yeah. should be 6-6, six and six, and that may be a low bar, but, well, that's yeah. not good enough to win a Super Bowl. I understand that. But when you're coming from where this team was last year, if they were to win those games, I think most fans would be excited about the progress they're making, and instead – we're still looking for answers when it comes to the head coach and the quarterback, which is fair, but at the end of the day, a little frustrating because they should be further ahead at at least in the win column than they currently are. So hear me, hear me out about this scenario, right? They keep Justin Fields, right? You got that number one or number, number two overall pick, right? I like the idea now of getting Marvin Harrison, right? Because I feel like we feel good about Braxton Jones as a left tackle, right? Mm -hmm. Feel good about that, right? Darnell right on the other side, Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, hopefully in this next upcoming year, he's healthy, he's ready to go, and then we get a center. And then all of a sudden, think about that. Look at what Philly has been able to do with adding adding Smith and A.J. Brown, right? Breath of fresh air for Jalen Hurts and company. Imagine Justin Fields with D.J. Moore, who they are, they're already on the same page. They work well together. And then you add Marvin Harrison Jr., arguably one of the best wide receivers. So early on, I was kind of fighting on it because we weren't sure about the offensive line. I think Braxton Jones has showed that he could be the left tackle, right? I, I think we we got him for another two years after that, wow. right? Darnell Wright we have for for three years, potentially four, depending on what they do with the offense. I mean, specifically with Braxton, what are you seeing? Because you were one of his yeah. not biggest critics, but somebody that had a lot of questions for Braxton Jones. Yeah, what I'm seeing this year, um, I, I've told you this, his footwork is unbelievable, right? Against speed rushes, rushers, he was excellent against last year, right? And But he really struggled against the bull rushers. Montez Sweat in particular last year when he played for the Commanders completely knocked him back a bunch of times, right? That long arm stab, driving him into the quarterback's uh, back pocket. What I've seen from him this year and what I needed to see was him be able to anchor against the bull rush. And that's what we've seen. And I told you, he reminds me a lot of David Bakhtiari. And if he could be like a David Bakhtiari in his prime, I know he's been dealing with some knee injuries, David Bakhtiari, that is, that can be awesome for the Bears, right? A guy that you got in the later rounds that could potentially be a pro bowler or play at a really high level at left tackle, right? So Paul's got a steal in that. 
And then all of a sudden, right on the other side, Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, you get a center. And then all of a sudden you have the weapons. Cole Komet really come along and yep. send it to what we thought he could be, right? Like Kyle Rudolph in his prime, right? Not a burner, but it's going to be reliable, be able to catch the ball and be a, a vital red zone target. And that's what we're seeing. So you add Marvin Harrison to the picture, and then all of a sudden him and DJ Moore on both sides pick your poison at that point, right? And then all of a sudden this team gets a lot better. When if you draft a quarterback, right, that's one less weapon. Just think about this. I think everybody is, is in this day and age where we have to see instant results right away. And Rome wasn't built overnight, just like any quarterback, any offense, any scheme. So that's why I'm saying pump the brakes a little bit. Let's 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 give Justin Fields another year with with a true coordinator, right? That can really script an offense around somebody. And then at that point, let's make that decision. But I think he's too talented not to give him another chance, another year. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Adam Hogue talked a little bit, starting to, you know, dig his feet into the evaluation. And he watched the two toughest defenses Caleb Williams had to play this year with Notre Dame and USC. And he said, did he strike me as someone that I had to draft at number one, move off of him? And he said, no, he, he wasn't there yet. Now, there's a longer evaluation process to take place when we get into the offseason, you're going to look at every throw over the last two years and and maybe ultimately he changes his mind. But these are the questions they're talking about in Hallis Hall right now too. And we heard it from Ryan Poles when he released a statement about asking Justin Fields to show more consistency when he came back from his injury. He also added when talking about the rookie quarterbacks or the, the, you know, the, the college quarterbacks when they come out that he'd have to be blown away to draft mm -hmm. one. Now, I think that kind of goes without saying. I would hope if you're going to move off of fields and draft a quarterback number one, you better be blown away, especially when you have a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting there at one. And I know there's some guys here in the chat, Blue Waves, Leonidas, and some others that feel very strongly the other way. And I've just kind of been one of these people. If if you're if you feel strongly that way and you want to get rid of fields, you want to draft one of these quarterbacks, I honestly don't begrudge you because I see the light on it. And I understand Corey's been preaching to me here this whole year. And I hear it from a lot of different people about stick with fields. You hear a lot of players talk about building around him. And, and I under, I honestly understand both sides of the coin and maybe I'm just being a coward and I'm hedging here, but at the end of the day, I, you can't deny Marvin Harrison jr's greatness. You see it. And, and so there's two ways of building a team, you know, and yeah, you can make the argument. Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, maybe their talent isn't that much like the differentiator of how much better Justin Fields is than Caleb Williams. Maybe it's not much. Maybe Justin's more dynamic and and more of a um, you know, an unbelievable playmaker, but Caleb Williams might get the ball out faster, might throw with a little better anticipation, might, you know, run a cleaner operation. And so, like I said before, there's two different ways to building a team. You know, there's the bills and you get Josh Allen and you start to build around him, you know, and other players like that, or the way the 49ers who I think are an extreme example of building a team around a quarterback, but the lions, the, the same thing, the Eagles, they're another team, the Miami dolphins. They, like mm -hmm. you've said before, they wanted to run two out of town. They built around him. They got a dynamic wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. And now Tua is putting up 70 points on the Denver Broncos. You know, like, so Similar there's to Alex Smith years ago, right? With right. The Kansas City Chiefs when he so came I, that's what I mean. Like, I'm kind of sitting here on the fence. Like, I, I honestly don't. I, at the end of the day, I'm just rooting for Fields to ball out here these last five weeks and, and make the decision for Ryan Poles. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. You know, you hear the tea leaves and they're like, some people think he's already made up his mind. I, right. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. And I just, I've, I've cautioned everybody on both sides of this debate to not dig their heels in too deep because it is not an easy decision. And for people that are done with Justin Fields, I, I get it, but I just think you're making it way too simplistic. Oh, we're going to get and Caleb Williams done. Maybe. And, and then the other way too, like, I, I just think for a lot of people that want to look past and, and, and blame everything in the coaching, I think that's way too simplistic too. And, and I know you're not doing that, Corey, I'm not accusing you of that, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, Justin does have to get better at things. Like even on that final drive against Minnesota, I give him a ton of credit for ripping it to DJ Moore to win the game, but the two players prior to that, where 
you know, uh, you know, the head coach uh, for for minute for Minnesota, not the head coach, the defensive coordinator who loves to send the blitz. He he only rushed three for all three of those mm. plays, and I thought he he kind of went away from what he was doing there, where he was just blitzing the house, blitzing the house, and making things uncomfortable. But if you watch those last three plays, yeah, he ripped it on the last play, but the two plays before that, he just wasn't wasn't getting it out of his hand. There's guys open across the middle. Get it out of your hand. So he still has that in him, which I've kind of defined as the yips. He can make every throw on the field. It's just sometimes there are there are these throws, not and more more times than not, where he sees it and can't let it go until the guy turns completely around and is open. And the DJ Moore play is an example of where the consistency needs to be shown. He mm-hmm. didn't wait for DJ Moore to come open in the window. He threw it before DJ came in the window, and boom, DJ catches it. Bears win the game. They need more of that here the last five weeks of the season, and I think that's going to make Ryan Poles and everybody feel better about a decision if he were to choose to keep him. No, I agree with you. I I thought that drive, especially after losing the ball twice, fumbling, right? Most people be in their heads, oh, why me and this? But he bounced back, right? And I think a couple plays before that big play to DJ Moore, I think that's when he had the the one dump pass to to Cole Komet, right? When they when they brought the house, yep. extended nice the play, play went backwards, right, and then got it out there. So I thought there were some things. Obviously, he did well, but when I look at that game early on in the game, he looked efficient throwing the ball, right? He was twelve of twelve, looked very comfortable, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the play calling got a little different, right? And and I think you can't blame everything on the play caller. But I do think you can you could blame a big chunk of it because there's no rhythm and consistency in the play calling, right? So that's why I'm really about pump the brakes about saying Justin Fields shouldn't be here because there's so many examples that we could talk about from Alex Smith to Tua. All of a sudden, when you get a play caller that can script for you and, and you put weapons around you, even Jalen Hurts, right, when they got A.J. Brown, there's so many examples when you add one player or you change the scheme a little bit where everything starts to come alive for people. So... I, I, I love the two example because they were ready to be done with them like how a lot of people are with Justin yep. Fields, right? A lot of fans. I think a lot of talent talent evaluators are pretty high on Justin Fields, right? I think they, they know he has all the talent in the world. It's now a matter of, of replicating what he did in that Denver game, the Commanders game, consistently, right? Because we see everything they can do with his feet. He can make every throw when he's confident. But all of a sudden, it's like, well – you know, even despite this, he needs to do this. And right. it's just it's just hard at this point because he's still a young quarterback, right? He's still developing. So obviously, like some people need to see more before they're 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 fully bought into this. So I would just love for him because if you think about it, right, Braggs, you could potentially have Justin Fields for two more years, right? right. Underneath his rookie deal, potentially. Yep. You pick I think up you the fifth year option. Exactly. I I, I think that's that would be the best option. And then, and then you get a Marvin Harrison Jr. You get a defensive end in free agency. You get a dominant three technique. Then you draft some other guys that can be like a dominant uh, pass rusher, edge rusher that can come in and spill guys. And then all of a sudden, that defense with the linebacking core and Sweat and company and that secondary, all of a sudden, you got some dudes defensively, right, that you feel confident mm-hmm. about that you're going to be able to get stops, get off the field, get turnovers. And then offensively, got got three really good running backs. You got two weapons in receiver with Harrison and, and DJ Moore, Cole Komet, um, Tyler Scott could continue to develop, right? You got an offensive line that you feel good about, you know, and, and you and you get a center. And all of a sudden, this team looks a lot better with a great play caller, right? You feel a lot more confident about that. So that's why I'm just like pump the brakes, because I think there is there's still so much we haven't seen from Justin Fields that I think with the right play caller, right? What about a guy like Greg Roman, right? Getting him involved. He's a guy that's had great success in this league. Look at Lamar Jackson, some of his best years working with a mobile guy. Why not get a guy like Greg Roman, right? Have him work with Justin Fields. Yep. I'll have the same game plan that I had for Lamar when he was winning the MVP, when he was one of the best in the league. Let's do that, right? Right. Why not? Greg Roman is not working right now. Give him a call, right? Allow allow him to work with a guy like Justin Fields. I guarantee you Justin Fields will be will be a top 10 player next year if he gets a play caller that can script for him. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, we've both, you know, had our dreams about Jim Harbaugh becoming the head coach of the bears. And if, 
you know, there's a good chance if that were to happen, that Greg Roman would be his offensive coordinator because they've worked together in the past. And Greg Roman currently isn't employed. Um, you know, uh, Ken Dorsey, who got fired from Buffalo, you know, that I, I thought he kind of became a scapegoat in Buffalo. Uh, they, they were, they, they haven't played up to their potential, but you know, I wouldn't sit necessarily put all that on the offensive coordinator. Again, Josh Allen is responsible for some of the turnovers they've had there. He's had his own fumbling issues as well. So there's another guy, Ken Dorsey, that I think is, it has been part of a system that's more dynamic and, and coached a quarterback that is able to have designed runs and, and things like that, that like the bills are doing. So there's certainly some options there. And that's why I want to flip it to the other side, because as much as we dream about Harbaugh being the head coach, you know, if Matt Eberflus carries on his trajectory since their four game losing streak, where they've played 500 ball. And let's say they finish three and two here, these last mm. five games of the season, like Adam Hogue was saying on the noon show, let's say they're mm. two and two going into that final week and they take down green Bay, similar to the way the, the lions did last year. And maybe that keeps them out of the playoffs exactly like the lions did last year. And now the bears have played 500 ball over 500 ball since the four game losing streak to start the year. I think if that happens now, all of a sudden, you know, finishing three and two, that means your defense was probably playing pretty good. And Matt Eberflus is your head coach last next yeah. year, as much as we've both fired the coaching staff throughout this year. And I think it's yeah. probably happened three or four times. Are you coming around to Matt Eberflus at all? And could you see a scenario where he stays as much as we, as, as much as we've talked about the scenarios of field staying, is there scenarios that Matt Eberflus can stay and maybe they look for a different offensive coordinator? Yes. I'm trending towards keeping him here. Right. Obviously the way that the season started, Alan Williams, the way he was calling things and then Eberflus took over and early on, it wasn't pretty. Right. Right. I think, I think the lack of, of, of a defensive line, really really was evident right i think sweat coming in was a huge boost look look what dexter has done you know since sweat has come look at how everybody's elevating their game justin jones is 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 getting consistent pressure in the backfield in the rush game billings has been doing that all year i think it's just elevating the defense and he's been a real force in there so i think the way he has the defense playing and if they continue to play with that i think you have to keep eberflus right because once you get the defense situated now you're like okay now it's it's a coordinator, right? And I, I would love to get uh, Greg Roman at that point, right? I, I would because I think I think it fits. And and back to what you were saying about the Buffalo Bills, right? I look at two teams right now that are struggling a little bit. Teams that have had quarterbacks that have played really well, right? Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And and I'm going to tell you what the common denominator is in why they're struggling, right? The rushing game, right? So I'm, I'll, I'll tell you real quick about. Uh, so let's look at the Kansas City Chiefs. 304 rushing yards thus far in the season, right? So wow. way too much pressure on the quarterback. And then let's, let's look at Buffalo. I think it's I think it's close to there. Uh, 300 and what is it? 332 yards rushing for the whole season. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? So think about all the pressure they're putting on the quarterback. And these are these are Pro Bowl caliber MVP candidate, the best, the fan, the the faces of the NFL, right? But that shows you that. When you put too much pressure on somebody, even even despite how good they may be, they still continue to struggle. So I think the recipe for success in any team, whether you have a good quarterback or not, is balance, right? Running the football, you know, working the play action off it, taking the pressure off that guy. Because if they're airing it out 50 to 60 times a game, guys are going to pin their ears back and rush, right? They're going to get in their face. They're going to cause confusion. They're going to give you different looks. And then all of a sudden that quarterback struggles. So I think that's what we're seeing right now. I don't think it's... Well, I think a little bit's on, on Dorsey for what he was doing because obviously you, you have to have balance in this. You put the pressure on anybody, they're going to struggle. So I love kind of how things are setting up for the Bears because you look at, at the position at running back. They have three really great running backs all of a sudden. And we'll, we'll see what decision they're going to make because Foreman, I know he's going to be a free agent next year. But right. I, think, I think he's somebody you got to look at bringing back. I mean, he's talented. What he was able to do is yards per carry. But all of a sudden next year, like I said, you have that great running game, right? You get a guy like Marvin Harrison, you got the offensive line, you get the center. Rags, this offense looks a lot better, especially 
Imagine Greg Roman calling the plays, right? Scripting it for success, having that Lamar Jackson game plan for a guy that's equally as athletic as as ooh. I, I, I kind of like and, that. And, and, and I see the intrigue in it for sure. I, I I've been talking about Greg Roman for a couple of years. I even, when, when they were looking at head coaching hires, I was talking about Greg Roman as an option. Um, and, and to me, it's frustrating because if, because I think the, the other side of the coin and a logical take would be, well, if they do bring in an offense coordinator, that would be Justin Fields third offensive coordinator now in four years and they're not going to risk pushing Justin into a fourth and fifth prove it year with a third offensive coordinator when they have the opportunity to draft one at the start uh, to start his career over and with a with a rookie and and I get that but that's why it's so frustrating because they decided to hire Luke Getze to be responsible for not only building an offense that he's never had he's never been an offensive play caller. He was a quarterback's coach coming out of green Bay. So a, he had to learn how to call an offense and B he was tasked to develop the, the star of your franchise and he needed development to be had. And and you fell short on that Luke Getzey. And if they do decide to move on from him and bring in Greg Roman, I will be intrigued. Uh, but then you, there's another part is it's wasted years. You're burning years up where you had Justin Fields here and you're screwing around trying to get him right. And yeah, if you get Marvin Harrison, you get a center, you bring in Greg Roman, we're going to, I feel confident that they're going to be much better than some of his biggest uh, critics here in the chat would say, but at the same time, you know, you're really pushing it up against the clock to make everything work because when you bring in a new offense coordinator, sometimes that takes a year or two. I mean, you were, around when Jay Cutler was here. And I can remember those days of how many times they changed the offensive coordinator over and over and over. And that was part of the excuse of why it never really worked out for Jay in Chicago, even if he did have some great years passing the football. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but I do want to flip over to the other side of the the ball because if if I I can say one thing before we flip over. No, you can't Corey. (laughs) What, what, what is with these uh these Green Bay play callers, right? Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, right? They're riding Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' coattails. Thing is, Aaron Rodgers can play for any scheme. And I think people fail to realize that Aaron Rodgers was calling the shots. He was calling what he wanted. All those great quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, all those guys, they call the shots, right? They, these, these play callers, yeah, they may be calling the plays, but that's what Aaron Rodgers is picking. How many times? I can't tell you how many times when I played against him playing plan for, for Chicago where he would check out of whatever look we were in into another play himself. He was just that intelligent. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. It was his show. So I take that with a grain of salt when everyone's like, oh, LaFleur, all these guys are such great play. Listen, Aaron Rodgers, he could play for any system, any scheme. Um, you know, Tom Brady towards the end of his career, he was like that too. He was just so confident in his ability. Um but but the thing is, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is an elite guy. But but look look what he got thrusted into, right? He was behind Brett Favre. He learned he learned from a great quarterback in there. He had a good system that started him out, and then all of a sudden, once he got confidence, the rest was history. And right. that's the point I'm making. We wouldn't even be having this conversation, Braggs. Think about think about the Green Bay game in the first half. How good Justin Fields looked. Nope. And nobody in the chat, nobody watching the game could say he didn't look good. He looked very efficient. His rhythm timing was there. And then in the second half, what did we see? A completely different play calling, right? We saw them, the Green Bay got the lead. And then all of a sudden gets, he was like, oh, let's air it out. Right. There was, there was balance between the the running game and the passing game. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if they would have, if they would have uh, continued the game, how they did in the first, I guarantee we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Because that would have started off the season right. He would have had the confidence ready. And then all of a sudden, we would have saw him rise. But the play calling for the beginning of the season, that that first game was so critical, right? And I think that's critical for, for any quarterback success. You know, there's some guys that can have, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. He's like, relax, right? He's been there. He's done that. But in a young developing quarterback, it's so critical for every game to continue to get your confidence and continue yep. to get the game plan right. Yep. So I think from the beginning of the season, that's when we got off on, on, on the bad leg. When the second half, I'm like, 
what are you calling? It, it's a two-score game at this point. He was acting like it was the last two minutes of the game. Yeah. So I, I think that's so critical. Well, I think people really sleep on that. Well, bringing up Green Bay, that was uh, something I wanted to talk to you about tonight. So we'll go there first, you know, because uh, dad, uh, dad of two asks in the chat, you know, why is Jordan Love looking so good with Getsy gone? And I, I think just overall that, that Green Bay's when we talk about Detroit, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Miami, and building a team around the quarterback, Green Bay might become another one of those examples mm-hmm. where you've got this really good offensive line and a system that's in place and a running game that's in place and their wide receivers. Certainly. I mean, I would have taken the bears wide receiver core over green Bay's going into the season, but now green Bay's wide receiver core is playing well. And the system really shows you, you know, how it's conducive to developing a quarterback because Jordan love didn't look good even a month ago. And now all of a sudden, the last three weeks to a month, he's been playing great. And it seems like he's starting to be on the right trajectory. And oh, by the way, it's his fourth year in the league. Yeah, it's his first year playing. So I understand the context behind this stuff. But there it is. Like for anybody that's going to use Jordan Love as an example against Justin Fields, at the same time, you can make the argument, you kind of make it for him because it's Jordan Love's fourth year. He's in an environment that's healthy for developing a quarterback. And now he's starting to flourish and take off. He has all the ability and now it's all starting to come together. So there's another example of what, if the bears were doing things correctly, maybe Justin Fields would be, be on a different pathway, you know, but again, that all can be true. And it still might not stop Ryan Poles from having to bring down the hammer and 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 take the rookie quarterback and and trade Justin Fields. It it really it's it's um it's going to be a tough decision for Ryan Poles, and I don't begrudge him for being in that position. If they decide to take that number one pick and trade back, I'm going to be depressed that they are and terrified that they didn't take Marvin Harrison Jr. or Caleb Williams or Drake May. Mm. But I also know that it's going to help feed this franchise you know a lot of assets that it already is starting to pay off this year when you look at dj Moore and darnell right if they chose to trade back with the raiders and the raiders gave them a first you know a couple future first round picks and max crosby you know what i'm saying like i mean that you you, you might say that's crazy but you know hey who would have thought dj Moore would be on the bears here last year so you know i just think that there's a lot of options on the table so I'm interested to see how it'll play out and um, we'll, we'll just go from there with that green Bay uh, last week. Right. You, you look at their game plan and, and just looking at their stats, right? Obviously they got the running game going. They were averaging five over five yards a pop. So when yep. you talk about taking the pressure off the quarterback, right. And Jordan loves stats, right? He looked efficient for sure, but his stats weren't blowing you out of the water, right? 267 yards, three touchdowns. Right. And you look, you look at the receivers, right? Dobbs had 72, Watson 71, Wicks 43, 37. Go down the list. So the, the point I'm making is l- look at when there's a good game plan and, and how that can take the pressure off a quarterback and allow him to do well. And I think that's the mark of, of a lot of good play callers out there is, is being able to realize that, listen, regardless of who you have a quarterback, a great running game sets up the play action pass, it keeps the defense honest. When you're one-dimensional, defenses can pin their ears back and get after you. So I think that's just going forward. Whoever the game plan, whoever the offensive coordinators for the Bears has to realize that and be able to play call beyond the scripted plays, right? Because what we see with Luke Getze, since he's been here, very good on the scripted plays. Then we get off the script, can't make adjustments. And I think that's the, that's the difference between a, a really great coach and an average or below average coach is your adjustments because guys are always changing throughout throughout the, the course of a game, right? Their game plan for you. But you have to adjust off what they're doing. So that's what I'm looking forward to next year. Like, I, I don't see any reason why Luke Getzey should stay here, right? And I, I don't want to call for anybody's job, but I think you have to. I think what we've seen as a whole has been pretty awful. Yeah. Well, I've called for his job a few times. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to go to the palace hall though. I'm not credentialed. So I ain't got to look at these guys in the face. Although I, I, I wouldn't, I I've met Luke Getze down at the combine last year. And if he's heard about me firing him on the post game shows, I'll certainly 
uh, talk to him about it and, and have hey, a listen, laugh. listen, the thing is, I've heard he's a cool guy. I heard he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a great dude. But, but at the end of the day, Braggs, this is a big business, right? Whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, if you're not getting it done, you're out of here. It, it's just as simple as that. Like it's, they understand that, right? We've all been a part of the business, whether you're a coach or a player, you understand that if you're not producing, you're not going to be here. Right. You know? Yeah. So we'll see how it all plays out on that end of things. Uh, before we go into the next segment of our show, I do want to give a shout out over to Circa Sports. Um, you know, make sure you're finding them. You know, they're in Illinois now. They just opened their sports book. Everybody knows them for their casino and resort in Las Vegas, but they're in Illinois now. Uh, they have a Circa Sportsbook app that you should be downloading. They got tight money line sp- splits. Games strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circa Sports menu, unlike other sportsbooks, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 splits. Circa Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to the other books. Uh, high app limits. Circa Sports does not limit ba- players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. Uh, And I encourage everyone to download and explore all sports betting apps available and compare the lines from each sports book. And you'll see exactly what separates themselves over at Circa. Um, They're, they're one of the best in the business with customer service, Uh, real people behind the Circa sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion. Unlike other books who use chat bots, all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circa sports book at Circa resort and casino in las vegas so download the circus circus sports illinois app at circusportscom slash illinois dash app to sign up today also be on the lookout for circa events watch parties and tailgates they've they were a great um you know partner here with us this year at all our tailgates and um some of the watch parties we've been doing recently they've been hanging out with great people so and if you or someone you know may have a gambling problem Call 1-800-GAMBLER or text G-A-M-B to 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. All right, so we're going to move on to the next portion here as we start to uh, round third here on this show. And, and yeah, I, I want to move over to the defensive side of the ball. I'm interested to see how this goes down on Sunday. We talk about adjustments. We talk about you know, where things are trending for the defense, which is certainly intriguing. Matt Eberflus has done a nice job, as you mentioned, taking over for play calling for Allen Williams. But at the same time, when you talk about uh, when Ryan Poles wants to call out Justin Fields for consistency that he wants to see from him at the end of the year, I think that was totally fair to ask of your quarterback. I want him to ask the same thing of his head coach. I almost wish he'd put out the same kind of press release he did for fields and say, we got five games to go and I want to see some consistency. I heard Cole Komet say today that he's treating these last five games. Like they're in that, that it's playoff mode. Now they have to win every week. So I want to hear that kind of tenor from my head coach, because you, Matt Eberflus, haven't won back-to-back games in your head coaching tenure. And you could have against, you know, whether you had beaten Denver or Detroit. And that wasn't on your quarterback that time around both games. Those were on the defense, you know, falling apart at the end for the most part. You know, it's a team effort when you lose a game or win one. But that's why I'm interested here this Sunday. They go up against the Lions, Corey, where they had them dead to rights in Detroit. Now you're coming here on Sunday. I'm not really sure what the weather's looking like. I think there's a chance it might be crummy on Sunday. That always plays into the bears hands being outdoors being in the cold and now you've seen them one time just like you saw minnesota one time and then you played them on the road and you you were able to get your first division win now i'm asking matt Eberflus to get his first back-to-back victories of his head coaching career when you look at this defense Mm -hmm. going up against detroit's offense because i think we know that the the bears should be able to score some points against detroit what are you seeing here from the defense that that can give us any kind of optimism? Because I'm trying to gauge you and, and steal your pick for who's going to win this Sunday. Because right now I'm on the leaderboard here with CHGO Sports for picking. I don't know if you know this, Corey, but you're talking to a genius here. I've got the I had the best record last year, so I'm I'm fighting here the last five weeks. 
Uh, Stay top the leader. You're, you're ahead of picking your nose, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I think this this is a good matchup for Chicago, and I thought it the 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 last game as well. Jared Goff is somebody I'm not really that bought into, right? I think he's done great for what he's been when he's come to Detroit and all that. But this reminds me a lot of Jared Goff when he played for the Rams and the Bears had his number, right? When you pressure him, he really struggles. And I think that's what the Bears showed last time. They got pressure in his face. They gave him some different looks. They were jumping certain routes. And all of a sudden, he should have thrown about five picks in that game. He really should have. Um, Jalen Johnson should have had a clear pick six to the house, 95 yards. He dropped it. Um, but I think this is another game that sets up in favor of the Bears, right? Montez Sweat is really starting to come alive. We're seeing the pressure. We're seeing the sacks. We're seeing yeah. the hurries, right? We're seeing defensively Jervon Dexter as well stepping up his game with the pressure because it's so big when you got the big fella inside and even, hey, there's a lot he has to work on. But what I am so amazed by just even without great technique, how he's able to push the pocket. That just shows how how, how big of a freak of nature he is, how he's able to push the pocket, even being high, um, just showing his quickness, his strength. Um, so we're seeing him come alive. And then we're seeing them give some different looks blitz-wise, right? We're seeing them disguise some coverages. So I love defensively how this game is setting up. And I think we're seeing that natural ascension of, of the Bears defense. And I think we're going to continue to see that. And if they can continue this, I, I think Ibraflus is going to be here to stay. And I think this is a huge game because Detroit, I think they're really worried about this game because this game doesn't match up very well for them. They really struggled to contain Justin Fields last game. You know, they're going to be out in the cold. They're used to playing in a dome, right? So I, I, we got to see how the weather is. I'm hoping it's really cold. So that, that way, that's something that's an advantage for the Bears. But I think if they have a similar game plan to what they had last time, right? They were they were really exploiting that one-on-one matchup, Justin Fields on the defensive end or outside linebacker, right? Mm -hmm. They put them in a bind. They were getting them on the move, giving them the option to run or pass the football. And the thing I didn't understand last game was I understand, like, I was getting into it. Uh, I, I was on 670 to score talking to somebody about it. And I'm like, I just don't understand how you're saying you need to evaluate Justin Fields when the whole game he looked great. He was taking care of the football and the game's on the line. I'm not saying do anything risky, but why not have some of those options where he has he has the, the ability to run or complete a check down? I just sure. didn't understand that. It's, it's a fair thing besides, you know, run right, run left, zone right, zone left, toss. I just don't understand some of those plays. So give him the option because this is all about evaluation at this point, right? What do you have to lose at this point? You want to see if he's your franchise guy, right? The Bears right. are evaluating him for that. So why not game plan for that and, and let him rip the ball, right? Get the rhythm and timing throws. Get the boots. Get the sprint outs. Get the play action. Put him one-on-one on the defensive end, right? Because even when the defensive end was able to stay at home, right, he juked him. He was able to get 10 to 12 yards, and he was very efficient. So I thought that was a great game plan that Getsy had last game. Uh, against Detroit have the same game plan and when the game's on the line put the ball in Justin Fields hands right you're trying to debate if he's your franchise guy but but then you say he's not when you don't give him an opportunity to so that that's that's what I'm trying to trying to understand yeah it um yeah it's sometimes it's hard to understand sometimes what these coaches are doing uh the weather report here for Sunday um and we're still a few days away so this is always evolving but my app is saying my AccuWeather app is saying for Chicago, 70% chance of rain and snow, 40-degree uh, weather. So it could be a pretty crummy day on the lakefront. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Bear weather is officially here. Run the it's football. Gonna, run the yeah. football early and often. I yeah, mean, it looks like – go ahead. No, that's that's the recipe. Right? I, I feel mm -hmm. like smash mouth football early on, it sets everything else up. So mm -hmm. I think people get so complicated with things and sometimes they get away from the run game because, oh, we're not really getting, you know, the amount of amount of yards that we want at first. And then all of a sudden it's like it's like you wear them down, that war of attrition. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get that five yard pop, that 12 yard pop, that 20 yard pop. And then all of a sudden you have that hard play action. You take the top off the defense. Yep. So, so that's how you got to think of the running game, especially when it's cold out. Yeah. Uh, when Montez sweat took that, uh, took Josh Dobbs to the ground, you know, off the edge, wearing that 98 his shades of Corey Wooten coming around the corner and, and taking Man. down a, a Brett Favre once upon a time. 
Oh yeah, back back in Minnesota, you know that was at uh, TCF Bank. That was outside. Uh, yeah, under the oh, frozen tundra, the frozen but, field. Yeah, li- but, literally. But, but apparently, I gave him a little shove. Right, it was a shove. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because um, another thing that I think everyone's been encouraged by is this secondary. You know, a young secondary. I'm excited about Kyler Gordon, man. Like uh, the one play in the second half where he filled the hole on Alexander Madison. Uh, and you heard this pop, like pop on the screen. And you're like, damn, like you would have, you would have assumed that was Jack Sanborn. And it was Kyler Gordon that put his head in yeah. there and, and stopped it. Like, I, I'm excited about Kyler Gordon. I'm excited about, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they can keep Jalen Johnson. I, I, uh, I, I think he's very talented, even though he, you know, he's had some pick sixes that he, I'm sure he'd want to have back that he's dropped. Um, very intrigued and excited about the future of Tyreek Stevenson. I, he's, you know, anytime a player is a grinder, like a guy that is willing to get physical and battle you, I always seem to compare them to Tim Jennings because yeah. I loved Tim Jennings on the bears when he came here. I just, we've had some great corners, peanut Tillman and everybody, but uh, anytime anybody shows a semblance of fight in them, I always go back to Tim Jennings cause he was just, he was a dog. And so now I'm, I'm looking at Tyreek Stevenson and I'm like, man, he, could he be the next Tim Jennings? And you know, uh, Terrell Smith, you know, the, he comes in cause Tyreek Stevenson was hurt last week. You know, I, I just think across the board, if Jaquan Brisker can stay healthy, I like his potential as long as he can stay on the field, that's his biggest question. So then it leads us to Eddie Jackson and some people in the chat have been asking us. Cause one of the things I did want to talk to you about tonight was like, who's going to roll over into next year. And I think, you know, we understand like four fifths of the offensive line looks right. DJ Moore, you know, Tyler Scott, maybe they're going to add Marvin Cole Harrison Komet. jr. Cole Komet. Right. So we, we kind of know, you know, everybody, but the obvious. And then on defense, yeah, you're going to keep Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter as rookies that are going to continue to develop. Right. They signed Andrew Billings, Montez Sweat. The linebackers aren't going four. anywhere, so they're set. And and it seems like this secondary is set for the most part with the exception of what is the answer for Eddie Jackson because, you know, he's a guy that's made some veteran plays, but again, another guy that has trouble staying on the field at times. I like Eddie Jackson. I feel like he hasn't been able to play to his potential. Um, at times because of the talent around him, lack of pass rush. Um, so what are your thoughts on Eddie Jackson here to finish yeah. the year? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be here next year, to be honest. I think I think his number's too high. I think his play has dropped off. I think what we've seen, um, some things at times when when in run fits, not coming up there, sticking his face in there. So I, I think we're, we've seen it over the past two years. Um, and, and what Robbie's saying right here, Tim Jennings, man, playing with him, awesome dude, man. Had ten picks the one year. I think he led the NFL in it. Um, like three of them you, were on. Three of them, I think, were on Cam Newton. I know maybe two of them, maybe just two. It, it, but exactly. But Tim Jennings, I mean, awesome dude, burner. Like I mean, super fast, athletic, hit you in the face. Uh, tough dude, great dude too. Um, speaking of that, three of them were were against Cam Newton. I remember that game. Steve Smith. You I was know, there. Steve Smith chirping all the time. So literally Tim Jennings had two or three on him and Steve Smith caught one ball on him. He's talking mess. Oh yeah, you're trash. You're this. And everyone's like, man, we had three picks on you. You had three picks. Are you kidding me? Steve Smith's like, nah, man, you trash, bro. You trash. Okay. <laughs> he just would never stop talking. And I think that's what made Steve Smith so good is the fact that regardless of whatever's going on, he still had that confidence. Like, I don't give a damn what you're doing. I'm still, I'm still going to get mine. So, um, it, it was awesome to play against a guy like him. Um, just, yeah, just, just a dude that that's tough as nails. And um, that whole defense, man, 2012, it was fun playing with those guys, Melton and, and Peppers and uh, Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Peanut, um, Tim Jennings, Major Wright hit you in the mouth. Um, yeah, we, we we had a lot of, lot of good guys on the team. And that's what I'm hoping Chicago can build, right? They had that with Vic Fangio. Hopefully they can still build this. And I think the linebacking core and the secondary are right on par, right? We're one safety away and, um, you know, a defensive end and a defensive tackle away from being 
a dominant defense. I, I really think that. I think I think we're three positions away, really two, right? I think you could fill a safety if, if either in the draft or free agency, but I think you need two studs on the defensive line. You need a three technique and you need a dominant pass rusher opposite opposite sweat. And then all of a sudden, I think this defense becomes a top ten for sure. So I, I you, really do. So you've got Eddie probably getting shown the door, maybe replacing him through the draft. So you've got safety, you've got D tackle. DN. Which is like the end. And then you've got center. center. Mm-hmm. And then you've a wide receiver. Second wide receiver. What an X is he, would that be considered your X? Yeah. yeah depending on what they want to do with him. Um, yeah. I, I would probably say that. You know? um, so, and, yeah, and then so, maybe a second tight end. And that's why it's like, for me, the spoil of the riches side of things. Yeah. If they kept fields, go ahead, draft uh, Marvin Harrison jr. And then Brock Bowers. I would, I would laugh. I would, be giddy and i know there's some people that would just be horrified by that in 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 the chat hendrix uh you know leonidas uh ravi he ravi gets so upset in our chat every day for people that are 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 fanboys as he calls them and i get it like there has been an emotional attachment to justin fields and we're all hoping and wishing and wanting and it hasn't exactly happened and he's trying to look at it from a critical uh, standpoint and and I respect it. I like I don't somebody said in the chat like tell the somebody told me earlier in the chat like tell this chat you know what's up. It, I don't I'm not gonna pretend like I know the answers. Corey, I'll defer to you and your football knowledge always. I'm gonna have opinions yeah. and I'm going to try to have them as educated as a meatball can possibly can get. But at the end of the day, I, I honestly don't know what the right answer is because I think there's intrigue either way you go here as I said earlier here in the show. So, but I, I'm with you, man. These holes that we've talked about, they're starting to dwindle. When you came into this season, the amount of holes they had, and me and Will DeWitt did a show on Friday talking about all the players that we're excited about. And when you start to run through it, and I'm again, I've been, been a big Ryan Poles apologist. I don't know why I have to be defined as an apologist for him because I think he's done a great job building this. And yeah, he's had some bumps along the way. Chase Claypool was a bad pick. Bayless Jones was a bad draft pick. You know, we can, we can go down the list of his mistakes, but keep that same energy for what he's doing. Right. And there's a lot of things going right around here. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll just have to wait and see when it comes to their decision on the quarterback and head coach, it's not going to stop us from talking about it every week. It's always at the front of all of our minds. Like I said, with with um, the Cardinals winning, it upped our chances to have the number one or number two pick with a 93% chance. I mean, honestly, we all knew that Carolina was a good target to trade back for because they gave us DJ Moore, They gave us a future first round pick, but I don't think anybody at the time thought that it was definitely going to be the number one pick in the draft. And I think it's been since like week three or four, when they came out the gates winless and you're sitting there like, wow, they could get the number one pick again. And you know, the, the, the grand plan was to draft Marvin Harrison jr. With that pick, the plan wasn't to replace fields and get a quarterback. So we're all kind of clinging on to this hope that that can still be the formula because that's the fastest path to a super bowl, you know, being that fields does work out here in Chicago, but all those things have to be, you know, determined and, and proven out and, they got to earn that on the field. And, and, and so we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how it shakes out, but I'm excited for it. I'm glad the bye week's over. It was, uh, it was a nice week off, you know, and got to hang out this weekend and watch a lot of college and, and NFL football and things went our way for the bears sake of things. So got a game on here tonight. Um, you know, the Jaguars and Bengals. Bengals don't have a quarterback anymore because Joe Burrow's hurt. So, um, you know, it's not just the bears dealing with injuries and Bengals have been hit with some catastrophic quarterback injuries in their time here in the last 20 years. So, uh, kind of feel bad for them. So I, I don't know. You got anything else, Corey, you want to rub my you know face in the dirt a little more about Northwestern. You think you're funny about that? I know I got to deal with Carm coming at me here. No, on Wednesday. I, no, it's okay. I mean, just Purdue, uh, Northwestern has their number. Uh, Rutgers has their number. <laughs> Um, so the two places, Jersey, where I'm from, Rutgers, and then Northwestern, where I went my alma mater. So we have your number. 
Um, and yeah, I, I don't, there's nothing else I can say at this point. Excited I, I, I just know that the screenshot that you put on Twitter of your face afterwards, this speaks volumes, bro. Yeah. Well, that's not a screenshot old man river. That is a selfie as the kids call it. And I call you old man river, but you're definitely younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing. Oh, wait, wait. So, okay. So you take selfies. Right. Well, it is a selfie. I don't know, but I'm I saying do, you I take do, Yeah, I do take selfies. People, oh, okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, it is interesting. Look at this face. How am I going to waste this face and not take a few selfies to document, you know, this beauty when I get older, Man. you know, and I can show my grandkids just how good looking of a guy I was. Man, them brick layers, man, they should have let one of those bricks fall on that face, boy. Well, plenty of bricks <laughs> fell, but I, you know, I guess I am starting to soften up in my corporate yeah. days now. So, no, no. yeah, but I, I guess the, the, the main thing I want to see this week, and I think everybody wants to see, is just the offense make some progress, right? We want to see with the play calling, we want to see everything with Justin Fields. We want to see a game plan that's conducive to what he does well, right? Which I think he did in the Detroit game up until the last couple of drives, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen it in some games. We haven't seen it in others. I just want to see some play calling that actually makes sense for what Justin Fields does well. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I think this game aligns well for Bears upset. I do. I, I thought last the last game, I thought they would beat them. Came down to the wire. Unfortunately, they didn't. I think this is the same type of game. Detroit this year isn't as consistent to me as they were the last five games of the season last year, right? right? I thought they were they were a lot more consistent last year. I think there's some holes. I think defensively you can expose them. Um I, I really I really do. Well, and then offensively I'm not I'm not that sold on Jared Goff right now like I was last year. Well they came out the gates firing um against New Orleans 21 nothing and it was like man this is they're gonna blow them out and then all of a sudden New Orleans almost came back and, and bit them and beat them. Uh, we do have a couple of super chats. I want to get to four ninety nine super chat from after hours. Luke, he says, I like the idea of trading back, having two first round picks for the next three years, draft a Dunze neighbors, Johnson, then get yourself a D lineman or an O line. And yeah, I, I, I understand that concept to me. Like, you know, everybody's like, Oh, these Twitter GMs just want to collect all these picks. Well, you know, look at how it worked out for Houston with two first round, two top five picks last year. Look at how it's good done for the bears here so far with Darnell Wright, DJ Moore, you know, you get top line talent. A lot of that talent mm -hmm. is acquired in the first round. If they're able to stack the deck with that, again, the Eagles are a great example of guy, a team that acquired a ton of first round picks, built their team out, and then they hit on their quarterback in the second round. Uh, so there is different formulas than just drafting a quarterback number one overall that is successful in this league. Kentucky Bears fan, 499 Super Chat, all summer, people said DJ Moore is Justin's digs, AJ Brown. Now we're saying draft Marvin Harrison Jr. because Justin needs more weapons. Uh, crying face emoji. The excuses will never end. Well, you know, DJ Moore eclipsed a thousand yards this last game, and that's mm -hmm. 12 games into the year. Uh, so I don't mm -hmm. think DJ Moore is complaining about what's going on around here. Uh, and and to me, if they were to add Marvin Harrison Jr., that's only more firepower to, you know, Justin Fields' Stephon Diggs, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I understand, you know, that some people want to move off of Fields, but it's a team sport. And if if they choose to keep him, I'm not going to complain. If they choose to keep him and draft Marvin Harrison Jr., I am not coming on this show and bitching about it. Other people want to you know, think that they made this terrible mistake because they should have drafted the quarterback have at it. Um, they could have drafted CJ Stroud last year uh, and they didn't CJ Stroud looks great. It, the ball zips out of his hands. Like he flicks it and it just darts. Like he's got a great arm and, but at the same time, the bears had a ton of holes. They needed, a, they needed a tackle. They needed a wide receiver. They need future draft equity to fill the other million holes they had on their team. So I'm not looking back and going, damn, you know, I, like there's other ways to build it, you know? And, and so and, they, and real quick before, before you, you talk about CJ Stroud, right? Bobby Slowick is, is his offensive coordinator a guy that spent six years in San Francisco under Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, yep. all these guys. So he learned from some really good play callers, right? Not taking anything away from CJ Stroud, but I thought he's had a great game plan 
to to suit the strengths of CJ Stroud. And uh, I think that's ultimately like CJ Stroud. He's a great player, but I think his coach is, is doing a great job in game planning for him. Yeah, that San Francisco system certainly has served a few teams well here around uh, the country with Miami, San Fran, and like you said, the Texans now. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I know everyone's going to argue about it, and everybody's just kind of got to brace themselves because, uh, again, I don't think this decision on what they're going to do with the number one or number two pick is going to get made all the way until the day of the draft. Like, I don't think they're trading a pick like they did last year before free agency. So we're going to be grinding our teeth about this all the way until April 28th when we do a draft party, hopefully yeah. somewhere like we did last year. And then we'll, we'll have our, um, we'll have our answers. So um, yeah. appreciate everybody tuning in, please hit that like button on your way out uh, for Darnell Mooney. Give him a like, get him get him a couple more passes to here this week. Let's help <laughs> Darnell out. I know he's probably frustrated, you know, uh, wanting to get some of his stats up. So hit the like button for Darnell. And please, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button here at CHGO Sports as we uh, continue our journey to 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. So that wraps things up for tonight. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, thank you again, Corey, as always, for your no wisdom. Problem. And uh, we'll we'll catch you here next Monday night. And we'll see everybody in the chat tomorrow at noon with Adam Hogue and Herb Howard again, I believe. So uh, we'll talk to you later. Always bear down. <laughs> 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 <laughs>